0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest on the Kansas Jayhawks from KCSN, which features three shows each week in Border War, hosted by former Jayhawks guard Jeff Hawkins and Mizzou forward Jarrett Sutton. Ain't no seats with Ryan Reinhardt, Anthony Bax, and Brayden Turner, and Booth Review, covering Jayhawks football with Ken Swanson and weekly special guests. Make sure to hit that follow button so you don't miss anything. Stay up to date on all things KU with KCSN. And now, the latest on the Kansas Jayhawks.
2: All right, welcome in another episode of A No Seats Podcast. Uh, today is a special one. Before we get into that, though, we got to talk about Emprise Bank. There's more options to do banking now more than ever. Who you work with is more important than how close they are to your home. Emprise has digital banking that meets you where you are on your phone, on your computer, or even your smartwatch. A trusted partner is at your fingertips. Shout out Emprise Bank. Uh, let's get into it. I don't want to waste any time. This is one that we've been. I mean, we've had this pod what? four or five years now B-turn and we've always kind of said can you imagine if we get this guy on we got to make it happen we've got him today um he's a KU legend he's uh, a top 10 scorer in Kansas history went to two final fours played in the national title game Keith Langford uh happy to have you how's everything going for you
3: yes Tom. Um, good and uh thanks for having me on and uh i uh I want to say man, I, you know, I I definitely owed you guys this episode. I want to say it was a while back um, so wow. I can't remember exactly who reached out, but didn't make the connection, so I made it a point when uh we got circled back this time. I said, I'm doing it, I don't care what's going on, so <laughs> I'm here. I appreciate the persistence and uh, yeah, man, everything's good. just uh finished a, a long day, but I mean, you know now so I got pie some basketball and. Couple more Dellos waiting on me when I finished. So um, there you go. <laughs> there you go. B turn, are you I think you're muted, B
2: turn. I hope so.
4: Yep. Um yeah, we usually go. we usually start uh, with player guests, just getting like a life update and things like that. So can you kinda tell us what you're doing right now? I know you're down in Texas. Um but other than that, we don't even know. So an update for us and KU
3: family. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um I am home. Um I just or last this past May, had uh Achilles surgery. Um I didn't rupture my Achilles, but I had uh, what's called an Achilles tendinopathy. And so uh had surgery to fix that, tried to rehab it for a while, um, tried to play, but um didn't work, didn't work out. So yeah, pretty much I mean, I guess this is uh the first time publicly that I said that I'm I'm done playing basketball. So Wow. Yeah, yeah, man. So seventeen years, um, man. It's been a hell of a run, and uh, you know, yeah, that's pretty much. So I'm I'm home. I'm taking kids to school, dropping them off, going to swim practice some basketball practice and soccer, and um, I am officially transitioning right now. So, but you know, it's it's cool. You know, I still go get my fix in at the gym every now and then, and uh, you know, I I get. <laughs> I've had a couple, uh, you know, I get to play pickup every now and then, and then the guys are like, you know, shocked, and they're asking me like, "Man, hey, did you ever play anywhere?" And, you know, so I, I kind of get, I get my competitive yeah. in at the local gym on like the, the forty, forty and fifty year olds. So, so that's pretty. Cool. That's got to be miserable for those guys. That's kind
4: of kind of wild because before we started this, we were just talking about you and your career and how long you played. we were like. Dude, is he still playing? Just he played. You played overseas forever. Um so yeah, that's kind of wild. We were wondering um what you were or if you were still playing or not. But I guess I guess before we even get into your KU career, I we could talk about obviously most supers dreams are played in the NBA. Um but you made a killing overseas. You played in a ton of different countries. So, I guess was there ever a point where you just got over not, I mean, you played in the NBA briefly, but was there ever a point where you kind of got over not playing in the NBA and you were just, you were satisfied over overseas and you were loved by all those fans and you made a ton of money too?
3: Yeah. Um, I, man, that's, it's it's such a layered question because you know, I can't say that there was like a, uh, an aha moment, but it's kind of like a, a series of events that took place um, that led to that. So I think, maybe the first domino to fall was um i was in a situation where you know uh, coming out of school um financially uh you know i took money from an agent and i do what most 21 year olds do when they get a lot of money and they don't understand and they don't understand what to do with it they spend it and they blow it and don't realize that you have to pay it back so um i had financial issues pressing me and then secondly um what i actually did like you said briefly was able to play those games in uh, with San Antonio. I, th- I was only there six games, you know, only played in two. Um, but it was a relief in the sense of, man, I did it. I got here uh, in the regular season. And um, and I really did it at a time where it was like, you know, there are no two ways. There are no, um, you know, it was just a time when basketball was like, it was really difficult to make that jump. It like coming from where I came from, i drafted. undrafted. Spent a, a brief period in the USBL, then was overseas for a year and then came back to make the Spurs. And then once I was released, um, we were in Los Angeles. Popovich came to me, told me that I was developing, I was close, I was good, they liked me, but Milo Ginobili was injured and they needed a veteran uh, to um, sustain. So they didn't drop off and he didn't feel like I was ready to fill that role. And he saw me. Told me exactly, looked at me in my face, <clears throat> told me they would release me for Damon Stademar. And so at that point, once I got the offer to go to Europe, um, uh, well, I guess there, there was something that happened in between that I can tell that story later in the interview. But um, <laughs> after that one little event happened and I got an offer to go to Italy and Europe, like I just really kinda never looked back and I played myself into a situation where um I started getting contract offers that um I really couldn't refuse to play summer league or go to a free agent minicamp. And at that point, once I recognized the, the financial security and I recognized, um, you know, me as a player, being able to maximize, you know, myself and get as good as I can and I'm going to play, I'm going to be important. I have a chance to really build something with my career. I couldn't I couldn't turn that down to be um, a 10th, 12th, 14th yeah. Kid. I mean, I I
2: love how you did it because obviously, you know, the dream as a kid and even in college, it's play in the NBA, I'm sure. But I think at the end of the day, the dream is truly play basketball as long as you can and get paid to do it. Like, that's the yeah. coolest part of it. And the fact that you did that till God, I mean, you're basically having. I'll be 40th September. You can say it. Go ahead. You know, okay, okay I didn't I didn't know. Uh, I knew you were somewhere around there. But yeah, I mean, it's. It's awesome that did you ever, did you see your pro
3: career lasting as long as it did? So, you know, it's, it's weird because here's the thing, like, it's, I never saw my pro career because I honestly never saw myself at, at Kansas. You know, I never saw myself. Um, I wasn't one of those guys, and I've said this in plenty of interviews, that uh, I didn't grow up in pursuing the NBA and in dreams of the NBA. Like, it wasn't my waking moment. Of course I like sports and, you know, I watched and, you know, I love football growing up. I'm a Texas guy. Um and uh, you know, football's king down here. But um, you know, I really do feel that the guys that conceptualize the NBA or NFL or whatever early on, those are the, the people that end up being in, in that position. So like if you ever met like a like they tell a story about LeBron James and he's in fifth grade and they have like write down five things that you would be in your eyes NBA five times. And his teacher's like, well, you got to have a backup option. He's like, there is no backup option. And so I'm saying, like, the sooner people have those types of that, – that type of way of thinking, I think they're the head of the curve. And I think one thing that I did, it was like, oh, okay, everybody's playing basketball. All right, I'll go play. Uh, all right, we got to make varsity. All right, I'll make varsity. Oh, we got to get a scholarship. I'll get a scholarship. And then, you know, I, that from there it was – and so I just was always doing what was next. And it wasn't until later – that I told myself, oh man, hey, look, like I'm really gonna buy into this. I really have an appreciation. I really have a love. Like, I can really make this my livelihood. And so I didn't have that grasp early on. Like I knew how to play hard. I knew the, you know, the level and I, my peers and everybody around me, like I knew the things that they wanted, but I had never really sat down and asked myself, like, what am I really doing? What am I really trying to accomplish? So I really think that that was part of the reason why, uh, you know, because if, if that was my goal and I really had that kind of outlook, I would have left Kansas after my sophomore year, you know, yeah. or I would have left, you know, I really would have been trying to pursue that angle and and get there, but I just was, I just what was doing what I thought, you know, what was supposed to be done. I, I really wasn't approaching it that way. So finally, saying all I had to say, when I did approach it that way, um, I didn't care about the NBA. I cared about, um, you know, financial security. I cared about being the best Keith that I could possibly be when, when I woke up every day and I really was able to let it go um, once I had a mentor and um, somebody to really sit me down and help me you know ask myself those questions and understand what i really was doing every day I woke up. Yeah
4: yeah. I was also I was looking up um, just Keith Langford's stuff on Google and saw an article I forget who read who wrote it but they were talking. obviously you dealt with injuries um, at KU some knee stuff but you said someone told you that you wouldn't last longer than five years or something yeah. like that after you left KU. So to play that long, obviously, is um, I'm not sure who told you that, but to play that long and deal with
3: those injuries is incredible. Yeah, well, I mean, and and I I told that story and I and you know man, my man Bill Calgill, shout out to Bill, man, he's great guy. He's, he's still there, uh, Bill. Um, and here's the thing, like I told that story and I think people kind of took it as like you know, he was kinda like, you know, shitting on me, excuse my language. But like it really it really wasn't that. He was really, you know, being honest and because it was a microfracture surgery. And at that point in time, um, you know, two thousand four, two thousand five, around that time, like, you know, microfracture surgery had it ended Penny Hardaway's career. It you know, uh Darius Miles, Chris Weber, Jamal Mashburn, uh Mari Steinemar, Jason Kidd, like so it was one of those things where that injury, you know, it was you know, taking people's athleticism from them and cutting their career short. And so there wasn't a lot of research on how to, um, how to rehab it. Um, there was So it was early. And so really where it happened is I, I really got lucky and fortunate to get to a team and in a space in Europe to where I met someone. Man, there was a fantastic uh, functional resistance uh, trainer. Uh, I was playing in Moscow at the time. Uh, I signed a two-year deal. I signed a two-year deal for 2.6 million, and this is 2009, and um, so 1.3 per season. And so, but that summer, you know, my knee is killing me, like, and it's literally the knee that that Bill Calgio told me about, and um, and I get to and like literally in training camp, I'm like kind of limping around. I'm just like, you know, uh, trying to get through drills, but my body, my knee is killing me. I'm hurt. I'm tired. I'm slower. And um, finally, and in my mind, I'm thinking like, man, if I just get one of these years, you know, okay, I can start my life. I literally was thinking that this is in 2009. And I'm like, my knee's killing me every day. Like, I'm I was like, I'm not going to make it. I just need to find a way to get through these 10 months. And then finally, the guy's name is Brom Swinney, He's a Belgian guy. He's a trainer on the team. And I finally went to him and I said, hey, man, look, I'm not going to be able to finish training camp. My knee is killing me. It's, um, you know, I've had a, few, a couple surgeries on it. I had a microstructure and man, he looked me dead in my face and he was like, okay, be here in the morning. And man, like we, and so what I ended up figuring out was like, and man, this guy, man, he's, even if you look him up now, man, he's he's incredible. He's one of the most revered trainers in the world. Um, he's, um, and so anyway, he started helping me understand the dynamics and mechanisms of my body, where I was weak. Um, you know, my, my glutes were weak, my hamstrings. So I was being quad dominant, which was um, rubbing and pulling and contracting and scraping the cartilage away from my knee. So, you know, we kind of like reshaped my body, changed the way I was running, changed the way my feet were striking the ground, got some insoles. And I just really learned the, the mechanics of my body, how to take care of it. And, and that changed everything. So I'm telling that story just to say, hey, Cheddar, you know, I <laughs> wasn't a, he He was just telling me what it was at the time. Like I never meant yeah. it as, you know trying to like put me down or anything. But you know, it was just one of those like shocking moments like, you know, I had no idea. But I was very lucky to be um nah. and to me, Braun at the time that I did just what you kinda of said Yeah.
2: Well obviously it's been incredible to uh to see where you've gotten and how far your career's taken you. But I uh I definitely wanna take it back to the because I think uh I think Ku fans love to hear these stories, um, but producers tell them we got to kick it to a quick thirty second break. We'll be right back, and we're going to get into how you ended up at Kansas. Okay, quick break.
1: You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be
0: right back after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
4: I think is Jeff Graves the only Roy guy we've had? Beater, um, Billy Thomas, Billy Thomas and Gurley, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. BNT yeah. and Gurley, yeah. I don't know if anyone so, knows.
2: It's it's fun. I'm very excited for this just to hear about all this because we've had tons of Bill Self guys. We've heard about Bill Self recruiting guys and and that so, stuff, but here in the Roy side of things and. uh just just talk about that a little bit. You said you're a Texas kid, um, but obviously ended up coming to Kansas playing for Roy. What was it about Kansas and Roy that that had you
3: come to Lawrence? Yeah, man. Um so funny thing, I mean, you mentioned Koseau first, like now I my first contact with Kosev was when he was still coaching at Tulsa. And I was in high school, man, and he him and uh Billy Gillespie were recruiting me to try to come to Tulsa. And um, and then he leaves Tulsa, goes to Illinois, and he's recruiting me there. And I still, you know, and then finally, he ends up coaching me anyway. So maybe, you know, so it's it's crazy how that how that works out. But anyway, the um Kansas man, it was a, uh, you know, I, I've told this story so much, like it, it's really one of those things where I was um, and it's funny I was at my mom's house a couple weeks ago, and I was looking through like some old like recruiting letters and looking through old uh. Um, uh, clickings and all kind of stuff like that, and like, and um, you know, the way I remember the story is one way, but it's interesting when you read different things and quotes and articles and stuff like that. Like it puts you back in that time. So, so really, what was happening was I was committed to Ole Miss. Um, so as a like this the summer after my sophomore year, going into my junior year of high school, like I committed to Mississippi, and the reason I did it was because prior to that, I was um. I was only being recruited by like North Texas, Stephen F. Austin, uh smaller schools, uh like that. And so we had no clue. I wasn't playing AAU and really, and we had no clue or concept about you know what was going on. So finally, my best friend, um, at the time who was a really good player, gets invited to Team Texas AAU tryout. He asked if I if I would come with him. And so in the tryout, you know, I jump in there with the guys in the tryout, and uh, Man, I, I played really well. Long story short, they ended up keeping me, letting him go. And, um, man, I get on the circuit, and we're playing, and the crazy thing about it is that in my high school, I was playing the power forward. And But the, the AAU coach recognized and said, hey, man, you are pretty athletic. You got some good size. And he was like, man, if you can make it to the perimeter, I think you have a chance to get more recruited at a higher level. So I was like, oh, okay. So literally during the summer, I'm working on the perimeter with him, but I'm, at my high school, I'm one I'm playing the four so anyway uh we go on a circuit I get invited to Nike camp um and back then Nike All-America camp was at it was at one place at IUPUI um and they t- just take the top 150 players and they all go to IUPUI campus and you play and uh and this is back like Tyson Chandler Eddie Curry Dewan Wagner cormy Brown all those guys people probably won't even some guys probably don't remember that but uh so it was Nike camp and A, B, C, D camp, Adidas, those two. And so anyway, um, I'm playing well. My name is kind of, you know, but I'm committed to old Miss. I'm committed to old Miss. I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. And um, finally, we were playing in Georgia at the Augusta Peach Gym. And uh, I had a teammate named Bracey Wright who played at uh, Indiana. And, um, and Bracey was a year younger than me, but Kansas was recruiting Bracey and uh, they were there watching, bracing, but I was playing really, really well. I was like one of the top, top three or four scorers in the tournament um, at that time. And then, uh, so afterwards, Coach Doherty, Neil Doherty, Neil Doherty was there, he asked about me to my coach, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's Keith, but he's going to Ole Miss. And, um, and then, so the next day, Coach Doherty comes back to watch, but he brings Coach Williams, and then they watch, and then and Coach Doherty tells my hey, you coach, hey, Roy really likes him, but you know, we won't touch him unless he decommits. And so that was kind of the first hint that I heard. I was like, oh, really? Like, they're interesting? And then so after that, so after Nike Camp, Peace Jam, Nike Super Showcase, I get back to Fort Worth and my high school coach is like, he said, hey man, I got a call today from from Bob Luggins, Lou Olson, Roy Williams, and Kelvin Sampson. Like, here we been doing this song. And so, and I was like, wow. And then so, uh, and then at that point, uh, but none of them would actively recruit me unless I decommitted. And then so at that point, we finally sat down and we talked, and uh, with my mom, and and we decommitted from Ole Miss. And then, uh, but the only way that it was uh, told to me that the only way I could get the scholarship at Kansas was if Josh Childress, Allen Anderson, Chuck Hayes, uh, and Daniel Ewing all said no. Uh those four had to so those four were the guys that they wanted all four of them had to say no and then luckily enough Deshaun Stevenson entered the draft so it was like hey we don't have a team guard and so at that point for me it was um, and I I wanted to go to Arizona but Arizona was taking Salim Stoudemire which you know so I kind of got screwed twice with the Stoudemire family like Salim Stoudemire in Arizona that yeah, was the reason why I got cut from the Spurs. So, <laughs> so it was me, I was really thinking like, all right. And it was like, it was Oklahoma, Baylor, and Cincinnati. And uh, I go to visit Cincinnati, and I uh, get off the plane from Cincinnati. I tell my mom, I was like, hey, i want going to see? And my mom was like, no, you're not. We're you gonna wait to see you as it does. <laughs> yeah. so, well, okay, so i out, out. I waited, everybody said no. And I went on my visit, and I was like, yeah, this, I can't pass this up. It's just crazy. It just, everything fell into place. And it just, it doesn't happen like that. So I just, yeah, yeah that, was, that was it, man. That's that's it's crazy. Yeah, I ended up there.
2: Crazy <laughs> how many things had to go one way for you to end up. Yeah, right. Glad it did. Yeah, um, sure.
4: Yeah, so let's get into 2002. And I'm excited about this, and this is... huge reason why we've wanted you on for so long because this is really like the dudes that run this podcast this was our childhood like when we really first started watching ku basketball like we're eight nine years old and that 2002 team like i really can make the case for at least the best team i've seen since i've been watching and just so much fun like i was looking at the box scores earlier you guys scored 100 plus 100 plus 12 times that year um 90 plus in 20 games so so fun to watch. Obviously you have Drew, um, Nick, Kirk, you, Boshi. Um, what were like what were your expectations and goals as a
3: freshman? And what do you think, Roy, like what play did he have mapped out for you as a Yeah. Um, well, the first thing was um I mean, I think it speaks to like part of the kind of GS of Coach Williams because you know I think this was the first time he didn't have a traditional small forward. You know, I think, we you know, he had Kenny Gregory, he had Paul Pierce, he had, you know, he always had guys that were kind of slotted in that space. And so, man, he, uh, his thing, you know, from the beginning was, uh, you know, I don't care if we don't have a, a, a traditional forward, we are going to get the ball out of the basket and go. And he was like, uh, we, had a, we had a five game and we had a secondary break and that's literally all we did all, all season. And so, yeah, we had a couple plays that they would call sometimes during, but, you know, like some box set type plays. Uh, But for the most part, man, he just, he literally taught us, you know, how to like setting, setting a better screen, the better screen you set, the more open that you will be, Um, you know, relocating on weak side cuts and things. And he just wanted to us to incorporate basketball action in our, in our motion, And as long as we were doing that, there really were no rules to, to what we were doing. He'll be back and obviously get it inside. Like Dick and Drew have to touch the ball. And so that was kind of yeah. how we did it. And so for me personally, it was, um, you know, man, like here's an important thing about, you know, having guidance um, as a basketball player, really understanding what you're getting into and like preparation and things like that. Like I just, I had no concept of these things. I just was a kid. Playing as hard as I could to try to accomplish the best thing that I could. So going to Kansas, like and being from Fort Worth, you know, I had some experience with AAU, but I li- literally only did it for two summers, right? So in my mind, you know, I played AAU. I have all these schools recruiting me. You know, I'm the best in my high school. I'm one of the top five players in the state of Texas. And so, like, and when I watched, I'd never see. I'd never watched the Kansas. I watched Kansas play on TV one time before they started recruiting me. And there was an NCAA tournament game, His was Prairie which is, you know, I mean, I really yeah. wasn't trying to watch the game, but it was like, you know, Prairie View like, you know, regional for Texas. And so they had it on TV for our location. And so, uh, but man, I had no concept of, you know, Kurt, Boshi, Nick, Kurt, all those guys. And so, when I finally started watching and I'm looking and I'm like, oh, hold on. Man. Kurt Ham, Jeff Brooks, I said, "Oh man, I'm going to start that shit." I said, "Oh man, these white guys can't guard me. He's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to go up there, man. And I'm just like, oh man, this is going to be. This is perfect. This is going to be. And man, literally, like, so I go up there and like, in the first summer pickup session, man, I was like, oh okay, okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> the fucking monster Jeff Bocin, 3 in the hoop that he can shoot and they're tough and they're not scared." And man, and so, and immediately, man, but the, the thing about it that was so crazy was that like, I get there, man, and from from Boshi to Kurt, Drew to Nick, like, man, everything you see in interviews, everything you see on the court, the energy, the vibe, the camaraderie is real. It's authentic. And I felt it, and they embraced me, man. I let go of all of that energy, and I was like, man, I want to be part of this. This is this is So... I immediately dropped a lot of that selfishness, and I jumped into, like, all right, I mean, okay, like, oh, you know, I'm in the Big 12, you know, with the championship this is what we're doing. Okay, how do I help? And so uh, I dropped a lot of the selfish stuff I had and really just, you know, bought into what, you know, Kansas basketball was. And so that was really kind of my first initial learning experience. Um, yeah. You no, know, yeah.
2: I mean, whenever whenever we talk about that O2 team, I mean, me, me and B-Turn talk about the O2 team all the time. I don't know why we love that team Get so it. much, but just Get the, and like O3, and we'll talk about O3, I feel like everyone talks about 2003 because they made the title game, and they had, you know, you guys had in that 2003 season, you know, you had the Arizona Elite 8 game, you had the Duke Sweet 16 game, where O2 you guys kind of just blew through it, you made the Final Four, and then ran into a really good team, but like, if you had to choose, who do you think if you play those teams 10 times if O two 2 plays O three, 3 is O two 2 the better team?
3: Oh, I mean, easily. You know I mean? O two 2 easy. Uh, but, you know, and here's the thing about it, though, with that ultimate I mean, we won 30-something games, but I remember losing to Ball State in Mallard. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe we're not that good. You know, I was like, I was nervous. I was like worried. I was like, man, I thought we were like so – dominate. But anyway, it was just, we were figuring it out. But, um, but to, you know, O two 2 man was just, I mean, I don't, I don't think people understand like, because the game has no post play anymore. Really? Like they're not used to seeing guys dominate, you know, big man dominate, you know, with jump hooks and up and unders and, and, uh, you know, rebounds and, you know, a word. So I don't, I think people underestimate and they don't understand, like, it was really a cheat code to have Drew Gooden and Nick Hollis in work, you know, blocking. It. it just, I don't think, you know, I can't explain to you the security blanking, but just, you know, just being able to say, here, you know, and throwing it down there and knowing that one of those guys are going to find some type of solution and the, the pressure that it alleviated, you know, from everybody else and, and the games that it allowed, you know, us to play. I mean, it, it was, I mean, Drew Gooden was like, man. Phenomenal, phenomenal college player, and Nick Nick was extremely dominant. And I don't think either of those guys' pro pro careers and their pro situations reflect the level of play that uh, they could have they could have displayed had had those teams really been invested in them and it had been a situation where they were really trying to to use those guys. But yeah, man, that that old team. team I just think the old team, team just had too many weapons. All right. He's. Too many X-Factors, you know, like, I mean, that O three 3 team didn't have anybody that could come off the bench and, and score 20. You know, like I said, O two, 2 I could come off the bench and have a 20, a 19, a 15. Uh, we really didn't have that element Um, you know, 0-3, we really just, man, we rode six guys. After Wayne got hurt, we rode six guys. You yeah. know, for, for the entire near pretty long.
4: Yeah, and then I just – I wanted to talk about the two – a little more about that season – um, obviously you guys go 16-0 and in Big 12 play. Um, the game at Texas sticks out a lot. The game at Mizzou, the final game of the season, sticks out a lot. Kind of wanted you to touch just on those shootouts you guys got in, um, the Mizzou game. I guess if you could touch on Mizzou fans a little bit and then just your guys' mood going into the Final Four as a whole. I know you just talked about how good you guys were, but right, right. Um, I just if you were just convinced that
3: you guys would win it all, even though Maryland obviously had Juan Dixon and Oh, like we seen uh, Chris Wilcox, Lonnie Baxter. Yeah. I mean, Byron I mean, Mutami. They were, they were loaded, man. Um, but uh, so the first part, um, I guess uh, all right, I'll start backwards. Um, the final, like, this returning man. I don't know if you remember, but man, that Holy Cross game came down to the last. Forgot like, about that. Yeah, Hyner, uh, Hyner, like rolled his ankle, right? Right. Yeah, Kirk, yeah. Kirk hurts his ankle, and. But uh, they, were, they had a point guard on their team. I think the guy's name was he, Jave Me. Exactly his name. And man, the dude was—I mean, man—he was hooping. And the, and the tough thing about those one sixteen games or those two fifteen games is that a lot of those teams—they're—they're they're seniors and they're—they're battle tested. They're, they're, they're red shirt seniors or they're seniors, and they're the best that their conference has to the offer. So they're confident, and you know. They have they have nothing to lose, and the and the crazy thing about it, the dynamic is when you're playing those games and they're close. What starts to happen is that everybody else that's there from the other teams they start cheering for yeah. Um, yeah. a seed to knock you off. So now the like they get energized from the crowd cheering for them because they want it to be easier for their team. And so we started feeling that pressure, man. And so like, it, so it wasn't necessarily a cakewalk, but um, I but I you know we got our stinker game out of the way. And then um, you know, the everything else was so easy, quote unquote, like, you know, we we pretty much like were in control of everything that once once we got to Maryland, and man, like it was the first time that I saw somebody, okay, Chris Wilcox is he's the same height. He jumps just as high, if not higher. He's able to meet Drew at the rim on everything. He's able to physically battle. Nick Collison has a counterpart in Lonnie Baxter. Um, you know, Jeff Boshi uh won and Kirk Howard, Juan Dixon, you know, Steve Blake, like, I mean, we were pretty much a mirror of one another. And it was obvious that Maryland had just been there the year before and they had a different version. And so we were so elated. And I think all of Kansas was so excited about getting back to that Final Four after 10 years that, man, you know, we, uh, we didn't exactly have the laser focus and uh, some of those games made us uh, relax a little bit. And so I tell people all the time that the Final Four, college is, is tricky, man, because the Final Four is, uh, there's so much energy and, and media and um, attention that goes in just making the Final Four. It's almost like that's a serious shit. You know, and so like, oh, Final Four, Final Four, we gotta used like, the four, and you know, and so the tendency is, all right, hoof okay, we did it, but, you know, the 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 team that can lock in again and understand that, you know, the work's not done, that's typically the team that's that's, that's going to win it. And so I think that first year, that's just, we didn't have a good grasp of that, and we really had too soon by just mm-hmm. making it, because, you know, the, the going back to the field house and seeing everybody in the field house, seeing everything on match, mm-hmm. you know, it was just like, man, you know, everybody was so happy that, like yeah, we gotta you know emotionally recharge. So that was a tough part. And I'm sorry, man. I, what was the first part of the question? I got. Um, just
4: I was talking about 16 and 0 Big 12 play oh, man, and some of the games. That, oh, I was you know I was wondering about Mizzou fans. We we've talked about Mizzou fans, right, right. Players about K State Mizzou fans a lot.
3: Yeah, I I think that and here's the cool thing about um Missouri's fans, man. And and during that time, the college basketball rivalries in general, like there's no social media, so you have to be way more creative. In your in your heckling and your hazing, and, you know, your taunting or whatever you want to call it. And so, man, I just at that time, man. I mean, the Missouri fans. I have to give them credit for being extremely creative and extremely extreme assholes. And so, like, literally, um, uh, so for example, like at that time, the Jayhawk Towers. You know, we still had, uh, you know, phones to the room. And so like like house phones, like they're plugged into the wall or whatever, right? And so, yeah. but when the towers were set up, depending on, you know, like you go 302C, 202C, 102C, and it's like the phone numbers are all listed and it's like the last four numbers is just, if you change the last number, you can get the next room and the next room and the next room. so like literally the week that we're going to play in Missouri, I mean the phones are ringing from the morning time until back, and it does not stop. It is twenty four hour constant ringing, and it unplug. So you unplug the phone from the wall. But anytime you plug it back in, it's literally ringing. So it's always ringing. So they're calling the room. Uh, they're pulling fire alarms in Jayhawk Towers. Not to mention they're pulling fire alarms in. Uh, when we got to Columbia, they were. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, they're they're sending you stuff in the mail. Um, uh, you know, uh, they are uh. I mean, and they just did so much. Like, I don't, I haven't seen the. I don't know if they banned like signs and everything like that now, but I don't. The couple games that I watched, I don't see as many. I don't see as much signs as as I as I used to see. And um, so I remember the very last game in the Hearn Center. Um, so I'll get back to the 16-0 in a second. But so I, if you guys remember J R. Giddens, J R. Giddens got in trouble with, before coming to Kansas with the little Walmart uh, incident. I uh, think got called. And so anyway, we go to Missouri and we walk out for, to shoot, and the entire student section has Walmart <laughs> there, so they have a sign that says "Did was rollback, getting's rolled back prices." And I mean, <laughs> like, there was and it was you know, and so, but they also did hateful stuff like Nick Collison, like Nick Collison's grandfather was like a World War Two pilot, and like they had like signs about you know plane crash, burning plane, and, you know, they uh-huh. and stuff like that. I mean, it was just. They were really the match me. So it always felt good to, you know, I never lost there when I was there. Yeah. We, and it just, it was amazing atmosphere to play, man. Just the Hearn Center and that intensity and that, like, I just, I haven't seen that, you know, in years. Yeah. I was basketball, I haven't seen that vibe, man. So, and know uh, the 16-0, and 0, I mean, we really weren't going after it, but at one point when we got to think I would say we beat Nebraska at Nebraska, we and I made like I made a three player kind mm-hmm. of sealed the game. And uh, there was another game after that, and then so I, it made us like eleven or twelve. You know, and at that point, I think Coach Williams was lying, hey, like, "Hey, why not? Let's let's go ahead and let's let's do it. Like that's that's this is going to be our goal. Let's go ahead and because nobody had done it up until that point that we knew of anyway. And that's what everybody was saying. So literally, yeah. like we were
0: eleven and twelve, and old wanted to
3: Love it.
2: Yeah, I mean, that team uh, was obviously fun, but we got to talk about 03. I want to get into 03. Um, We got one more break here, uh, and we'll be right back to talk about that 2003 run.
1: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on the App Store, or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
6: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?
2: So, obviously, the 2003 team, it's a lot of the same characters, right? But you did lose, you know, Drew Gooden, Jeff Boshi, big names. You now step into that starting role. You're kind of a go-to guy at this point. Um, when I think about that team, I think all about that, you know, feel like that team had struggles throughout the year a little bit. Um, I think you were, a, what, a three seed in the NCAA tournament?
3: Uh, so, two- yeah, yeah, too.
2: yeah. So, it's not like you were the resounding, you know, best team in the country all year, kind of like it was. So, but I think about that tournament run. I think it's one of the most fun tournament runs I can ever remember. Um, You know, the beating Duke's always a blast. The Arizona game was, you know, revenge, as you say, even more revenge than I realized because you were getting, uh, you owed Salim one from before (laughs) (laughs) calling it. Uh, yeah. Just talk about that March run. Like, is there a, you know, coming back in '03? Obviously, the goal is to win the national title. Did, were you guys? You talked about kind of like that happy to be there element in '02. Was it a different mindset for you guys in '03 heading into that Final Four and even that whole tournament?
3: Yeah. Um. So here's the thing that was it was is interesting. Like, so me, Wayne, and Aaron. Um. You know, the year before we really were in a complimentary space. And so I remember like that summer, like us working and we were like, yeah, well, it's our turn. And, you know, like, you know, we're really stepping into like the media team. Like, you know, like we're really, uh, because before, you know, with Drew and, um, and Walsh, like, you know, obviously you take the back seat to those guys, but now it's like, all right, all three of us are gonna start and we're all gonna be together. And so, but man, what ended up happening in the beginning is it like, you know, we didn't realize, oh, this is hard. Like it's hard to be the guy. Like it's like, you're no longer, your 15 points is no longer complimentary or a cherry on top or, you know, uh, Aaron's. Uh... Now Aaron was always started, but all of our performances and all of us showing up every night was needed. And it was needed at, at a high level. And I think the adapting and understanding that was tough in the beginning. So we start three and three. Uh, We had some really tough, uh, there's a really tough losses. Um, But, man, and this is where I give Nick and Kurt, you know, so much credit on those guys, man. They just, I mean, they stepped up, they led us. And, man, right into um, getting into what you asked about, the NCAA tournament. Um, So, you know, we win the the Big 12, and then um, so we know we're not going to be a number one seed, but nobody expects you know, the, uh, you know, the seeding to drop the way it did. And I'm looking and we're like, you know, I don't know if anybody has the footage of when, you know, you watch and you see your seating. and we're like, ah, dude, Arizona. And even at that time, Arizona state had a really good team. They had, uh, Ike Diagon, Tommy Smith. Um, no. they had like a team that like, they had pros on their team. There was Utah state. Um, that was a really tough team. They had, uh, couple guys That
4: game was tied too, right? Kind of like the Holy Cross game the year before.
3: What about Holy Cross?
4: Was that was that a close game that first round that year? Am I thinking
3: the Utah State game? Yeah. Utah State came down to the last last minute. Last like last like second. It was a close game. So and that's but you know, here's the thing about it. Before that run, right, like all of those names they dropped, teams dropping we're like, damn, okay, and see what's going on and we're going out west. You know, and so everybody's like, when we look around and like, we love Kurt, you know, man, this little, you know, Kirk Hired, man, like, somebody needs to do like a documentary about this guy one day, somebody needs to find So I'm telling you, listen, if you can never, if you can ever get inside his head and get stories about Kurt Hired, man, this, he's a legend. Man. He's, is one of a kind, is, is extremely special, and he's, you know, I had the most respect, you know, for this old so, man, he's just like, all right, fuck it, let's go play. <laughs> he does, you know, all right, I don't care. And now that was his, that was it his thing. Like, I mean, a man, he just, there's no fear. And when he said that, he was like, all right, I don't care. And he was, okay, so what? All right, we're going to have to beat. You know, all right, let's speed duke in Arizona if we have to, because we knew it would come down to that, and so that's why, like, yeah. you know, this year, man, I saw where a lot of people were like, "Oh, you know, we don't get rewarded for getting the seating and all of this is this thing and all this," and I was like, you know, I'm just always be like, "So what?" Like, let's go, yeah, hey, man, let's 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 line it up. You know what I mean? Like, give me four and let's go. You know, and so, um, and that was just how we approached it, man. We got we went in there, and man, it's just head first. And and it was one of those things where like we just decided that we were going to win from day one, and so it was like literally. And the reason why it hurt losing so bad to Syracuse wasn't the free throws, it wasn't McNamara's six threes in the first half, it wasn't you know Cormac, man, it was just because nobody on that team from top to bottom had saw us losing. Like it was a foregone conclusion and we had already decided that we were going to win. And if yeah. gets hurt, okay, fine, cool, all right, whatever. Um, Jeff, step up. Uh, you know, rumors about Coach Williams leaving. All right, I don't care. Like, like, man, we just checked. It was like we are winning and shit. And so it was just like when it happened, it was like, no, like really, like this is well, what? Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know if I'm doing a good job of explaining that or not, but no, that's um, awesome. Yeah, and that's really just was was the vibe, man. So.
2: But because yeah. I think that that's why this fan base still to this day. I mean, obviously, March, you most of the time you experience a tough loss, but that Syracuse game is the one that just forever people will talk about. And we've lost in other national title games before, but that one, because that team just it's wrong. You didn't win at all. Like Nick yeah. and Kirk, they deserved it. You and Aaron Miles deserved it. Wayne's like, and Roy, maybe most of all, for all he had done at Kansas to that point, no, did not course, never won one here.
3: It is. So it was just brutal. It is like that. It is because you know, obviously, that that changes the trajectory of of so much, right? So <clears throat> maybe Roy doesn't leave. You know, um, you know who leaves after winning a uh, championship? I, uh, I would not crazy. But, and literally, I remember uh, before. Uh, before the game, the day before a shoot-around, we're in the locker room, and me and Judd Graves were talking, and we was like, hey, we're gonna win these? I mean, let's, let's jump in and enter this draft. And so it was like, we made a pact. They're like, all right, we right, let's go, let's roll. So like, I mean, you have, like, there's storylines, man. There's just, there's so much happening behind the scenes. And like, you know, so if you win it, you know, history, it looks a lot different. You know, we made yeah. it. So there was on scene, you know what I mean. So like guess, and so much happened. You know that chain of events. So losing that game, man, but you know. yeah. And you know, other than you know, maybe that's you know, who cool, you know based on the performances in the Final Four, like maybe I'm uh, MOP. So maybe I mm-hmm. you know, I'm in line to you know I have a chance to get my jersey retired. You know, so but you know, yeah. you know, so I'm saying like that that line is so thin. It's more than just losing the game. Like, there's there's legacy. Yeah. There's storylines. There's more, so much trajectory. Changes. It, is,
2: it is crazy because I think your class, like you, Miles, Simeon, Mike Lee, like you guys are one of the – and maybe it's – well, I think you are, but for us, especially guys our age, like you were the first big time class we followed from the whole way. But – even just you you bringing that up, like your whole story of playing at Kansas, playing for Roy Williams during the stretch you had from O two to O three, and then to then play for the start of what we've now seen to be the Bill Self era, like what you got. You guys are a huge part of the overall story of Kansas basketball because of that. Um, and so I just – I know you've probably talked about this tons of times, but I know our listeners would love to hear about it. You know, you mentioned it. Roy – there was the rumors going on during the Final Four. That has to be tough. You guys are 19 years old. But, um, and so I guess, were you stunned? I mean, you're coming off a national title loss that you just went over was obviously shocking. And now this coach you you committed to, this coach that you've been to two Final Fours with, is, is leaving. Like, was it shock? Was it anger? Was it, I mean, obviously probably all of it, But
3: but where were you at? Man, you know, this is an interesting thing, man. The entire time of New Orleans, it's a weird dynamic to, uh, you know, you go up in your, you're in your room and, you know, ESPN, they're talking about bringing it up and they're addressing it. Reporters are asking you about it. And, you know, everybody answers the question and everybody watches it on TV. But then when we go downstairs into the meetings and um, the meetings and the All of that stuff when that like he never said anything, like never addressed it, and so it was one of those things to where you know, okay, I don't know maybe was that strategic or did he you know was it on purpose I don't know, but him not saying anything really didn't give um a uh excuse a um any nervousness to the guys of like what is he doing what's going on, you know no one really fretted over. You know, everybody mm-hmm. just kind of assumed that, you know, because Nick and Kirk, you know, he said no the first time that, you know, it wasn't a big thing. So, because Coach was the type that he would always address everything here, very honest. I mean, you know, he, he was a crier. I mean, he'll cry on him in the second. I mean, he's extremely authentic and genuine. Dude. But I got to tell the story. We couldn't buy him crying. Before. So, we're at V C L A, man. It's my freshman year, the whole 2 team. We're playing. At UCLA, we're playing uh, – uh, so, like, that's like uh, – what was it? Barnes, uh, Matt Barnes, Dan Gass-Zurick, uh Was Jason Capone on that team? Oh no, yes. Jason <laughs> Capone. Billy Knight. Uh, I mean, so, like, yeah, man, this is uh, this is that team. It's so, man, they're killing us in the first half. And, you know, Coach Williams being patient. And uh, so, anyway, he doesn't get on us. They, they're making a run. And so, we get in the huddle, and he's like, look, I promise you, if you're just playing your game, we're gonna be there in the game. Let's go out there and let's play. We'll be there. And so everybody's like, all right, you know, we break it down and we go out there, man, and we make a run. And we get it to like, we get it to single digits and then like, we make another batch and it's like a, a one possession game. Uh, Lavin calls timeout and, uh, oh, was it Steve Lavin? Yeah, Steve Lavin, yeah. yeah. Calls timeout and uh, we come to the huddle and everybody's like, yeah, 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 We're like, you know, it's all the testosterone is flying around and everybody's going crazy. And so, like, Jose Williams comes in the huddle and he takes off his glasses. He's looking down and he looks up, man. There's, like, tears streaming down his eyes. Like,
7: I told you we would be there.
3: <laughs> like, and there's still, like, how many minutes left in this game? Oh, no, no there's a lot of time. Like, no, yeah, no, he's crying, man. He's like, I told you we would be there. And, like, <laughs> man, literally, like, Man, like everybody kind of like, there's like this emotional wave that hits the group and like the hair on my neck is like standing up and I got these goosebumps and like, my eyes are getting glassed and I'm like, oh shit, what's happening? Like this is so overwhelming. So anyway, like that was the kind of effect that Coach Williams had on the group. He was just, so anyway, going back to the story, saying that he just never said anything. He was not the type to avoid difficult conversation, or he was not the type to, uh, well, not just be he'd be honest. I knew nothing else from him. So, yeah. um, when he didn't say anything, I said, okay, there's nothing to it. And so, but we lose, we fly back separately. Uh, he's not, you know, with the T when we go back, and um, so we're kind of just in Lawrence for a couple of days, and we all get the message that you know we. Um, you know, there's a there's a meeting in the locker room. Okay. I mean obviously you know, you know kinda of what it's about because now the rumors are really, really, you know, starting to gain traction. Everybody's really talking about it. But he yeah, hadn't been in the office. None of the coaches have been in the office. Nobody's been or oh, maybe like uh, maybe Coach Ben Miller was around, but like um the main guys like Joe Holiday, um, Steve Robinson, those guys, like nobody around. So finally, uh and so we're all in the locker room. Everybody's just like, hee ha ha All me and like, you know, so my locker is next to Kurt's. He's going back to Kurt being a legend. So Kurt's just, you know, like, you know, like this. And i like, all and like, and so his nickname is Tuss. And I'm like, "Yo, know, Tuss, what's up? And he's like, I already know what he's going to And I was like, what is he going to say? And then as soon as I say that, Coach Williams and the staff walk in, and he's crying. And I was like, oh, shit. I was
0: like, he's dead."
3: And then he you knows he's got tears in his eyes and he's giving the whole like, you know, this is the hardest thing that I've ever done. I love you guys and this is not me rejecting you, but this is me. Um, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, nobody says anything, everybody's quiet. And as soon as he came in, he walks out and I'm just kinda sitting there like, this is bullshit. Like this, he's gone. Like, <laughs> really, like it's, I was like, yo, what the fuck? And so, um, man, and as soon as we leave, like there's a bunch of reporters outside, and I remember, it, you know, me and Aaron got in the car together, and as we we're pulling off, like Aaron's like, <clears throat> it's funny because we have a group chat with my friend class, and like sometimes I'll drop the picture in there, and it's like it's um, and there's a picture that the media took, and uh, it's Aaron, and he's leaning out of the window talking, and I always tell him that that's his uh. That's just Tupac with Should Knight picture. I give that last picture of the team. In Vegas. In Vegas. So like, well, I'm driving I'm I'm in the car like this and enters a like, window, like <laughs> and I was like And so anyway, man, yeah. And so it was just um and then like man, a few hours later, you look on ESPN and you see him getting off the plane in Chapel Hill. And it's like that's when it was like really real. It was real, real. Like it showed him and <laughs> And the staff, Steve Robinson, and Joe Holiday, all oh guys, that are literally getting it's crazy. Yeah, like the same. And like, you guys are just there with no,
2: like these are the guys that have been telling you when to go to practice, coaching you, and now you're just there alone, no coaches, having no idea. That's crazy to think about.
3: Yeah, it was it was it was surreal, man. Very surreal. Very. very well, what was the, that? Was, so, what do you, me and me and Beaton were talking before
2: this. What do you think? you know, when you see the transfer portal and what it's become in today's college basketball, do you think if that was how it is, you know, if how it is now was like that when this all happened with Roy, do you think you, Aaron, Miles, Wayne, Simeon, are you guys out the door immediately getting recruited by other schools or even trying to follow Roy? Or like I always think about how different things could have been had you not had to sit out a year and transfer. Were you guys truly just all in on Kansas and, you know, all oh, w- it wouldn't matter.
3: I, I wasn't. Uh, Wayne and Aaron were, Wayne and Aaron were, and to their credit, man, there's one thing I respect about those guys. They were just, they were extremely, uh, they had a very high level of emotional maturity, even, even at that time. Like we still were kids, but when it came time to do stuff, like their emotional maturity was, was always pretty unique. And I was so literally alone, uh, and they never talked about transferring or anything like, that. But I actually, I tried twice. And all of be not even fuck with So I tried. Um, literally, I went, I go into Joni Stevens' office about a week or so after. And I tried to, and I called Coach Williams from Joni's office. And I asked Coach Williams if I can come to North Carolina. And he told me, he was like, you well, it means a lot. That, you know, you will want to follow me here. But he said that, look, he was like, it would look really bad um, in the press. And, you know. I'm not a very popular person there, there right now. And so, uh, but I'll tell you this, Isha, if once they announce the coach, if you really don't like it, or you really don't want to, you like call me back and we'll have this discussion again. And so i okay, I'll do that. And then so Coach Self gets there. You know, Coach Self, man, he great right after me. He's born in the bed. He give you the best 10 minutes of your life. And <laughs> like if you. What do you mean any room, man, will man, he the guy has charisma, man, he'll light it up. Like he knows what to say, he knows how like, to make people feel better. So, so it's all like, okay, this isn't it gonna be bad, man. Sorry. And so but by that December, I was in the basketball office, my AU coach, my mom and requesting the transfer. And
2: so the, this was halfway through
3: self's first year? Yeah, halfway through the first year. Yeah. some wow. transfer and Kansas uh, you know, so that at that time, I don't know if a lot of people remember this, but at that time you could, um, like you could get, you could be granted a release, but sometimes releases could come with stipulations. And so, you know, and so pretty much that was what it was and I, and I didn't like the stipulation. So I was like, all right, I was going to and then so mm-hmm. I will have this out. There. So yeah. So, and, and my thing with the portal, is my feeling with the portal, like, um, it's bad because the um uh, what the Porter's not bad, but the thing that makes it look bad are the guys that are jumping ship, um, uh, that uh that everybody wants to use and make it the whole story, right? So like there's guys that are inconsistent, that um that have bad advice, that have bad AU coaches or uncles or runners or whoever that is. That's bad. But I look at it like this: you No, know, as a player, you get four years max, you know, to make this right playing. Mm-hmm. I mean he'd be the COVID thing now, but but from a standard standpoint, you get four years to make it right. Like, man, coaches they get so you essentially you get four chances, pretty much, right? So, coaches get twenty, twenty five, thirty chances. They you know to, to yeah. be there to re to recruit a new guy, to change a system, to hire a new trainer, to work with a new AD, to get upgraded facilities, to do all these things. <laughs> So you mean to tell me when guy gets twenty five shots at it and, you know, uh, you know, he gets the two final fours or gets two championships in twenty five years, why can't you know, why wouldn't the guy in the portal he should buy like, I don't care if he transfers ten times. All right, like, you know, that's you know, just it's it's a balancing of the equation. If it's you if it's executed in the right way. And so that's how I look at it. And the thing that makes him look bad are the guys that you know, that think that they're Better than what they all and they did better by slow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So talk about that coaching search. Like, I'm always curious, were you guys at all plugged into that? Like, did they come to you at all and say, Hey, here's who we're looking at? Or like I imagine not, because you know, you're you're still nineteen year old kids and right. they're, they're getting paid a lot of money to find a coach. Right. Um, but were you guys involved with that at all? Or like, what was, you, who
3: did, did you have anyone you wanted to get the job? Nah, look, I, I didn't see anybody. I was like, man, who was, you know, we would talk about like, who was out there. And, um, and uh it was like, man, who, there's nobody that didn't come in here and be this. You know, who fits yeah. this? Like, we just, and we would sit there, man. We would were, we were going round and round about it and we just did not see it, man. So at one point, <clears throat> I do remember everybody was like, yo, it's going to be Terzen. Mark Turgeon, coming from Wichita State. And look, I don't know Mark Turgeon. I don't know anybody in Mark Turgeon's family, and I don't mean this to be offensive to Mark Turgeon. I mean, he'd be there be career. But I said, no, if Mark Turgeon is the coach here, I'm fucking out. I don't care what anybody says. I'm gone. <laughs> out."
2: No. Like, that would have been a problem if he was
3: the hire because he hadn't even done all the stuff at Wichita State yet. He was still kind of, right, 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 Yeah. Right. So, but, yeah. but he's a, he's a KU guy though, right? Like so. Yeah. They were talking about the ties, and he was right there. So, and then so we went from Thursday and then it was supposed to be Mark Few, and so um and so Mark Few was like oh, okay, um and Gonzaga was still like they were still building that mystique. You know, it, it was yeah. <clears> they <throat> had a couple of those really really good runs and had a couple of those special standout uh, players that they had, but uh, even then though, it was like, ah, you know, that's Williams. Um, but, and then finally, when um, and it was like Coach Self, and I was just like, oh. Huh. And so, but I knew I'd always liked Coach Self, even like I said, when he was recruiting from Tulsa and Illinois, and man, he um, always liked, you know, the, the conversations were fun, you know, being around him was fun. I remember going, when I was in Fort Worth, also came down to play TCU, and I remember going up in there, talking to the staff and hanging out in the locker room. So, but they're like, so I had that rapport, and man, he knocked it out of the park. One of their first uh, press conference and that first meeting with the team, and it was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go all right. And so, yeah. uh, but it wasn't as smooth as it Yeah,
2: because you're in the train, you're trying to train.
4: Yeah, so I'm kind of. <laughs> I'm kind of stuck on what to talk about for that season just I guess with you and Bill I don't know if I guess did you and Bill's
3: relationship get better or did you just was oh, the thing me, man listen me and Self right now I, I will say this like what I went through with Cosell, Um, first of all it was a very I was not you know mature enough to stay consistent um, with what Self was trying to teach but all of the things that I went through, the surgeries, the being cut, the you know, the mental toughness that I needed to maximize my journey, I did not have that before he got there. I would not have been able to do that. Had everything stopped and I left Kansas from, you know, let's say oh three was my senior year, and then I started that journey, there's no way I could have done that. Because Everything up until that point in my life, from a basketball standpoint, even off court, easy. Everything was easy. Like I mean, you, you know, you average twenty, thirty points a game in high school. You dominate AU. You get recruited. You go to prom. You just now. You just everything is just seamless. And then you get on campus and you win the Big Twelve. You go to Final Four. And you just. You're the man on campus. I mean, you're living this great lifestyle. And I mean, it's just, there's literally no adversity at all, all the way up until I was like 20 years old. Like, so, had I left from that, then went undrafted, had, I ended up with six knee surgeries, um, um, you know, in my career. So even after leaving because I had three in seven months. I had another three after I left. <clears throat> um, you know, getting released, having to go to Europe, having to deal with, you know, being there 10 months out of the year. And like just I didn't have that wherewithal before Coach Self. So man, but at the time, I just was so anti everything he was going. Like coach self was Coach Williams was get the ball out of the rim and go. Coach self was, I don't want it to go in the rim. Uh, coach self was, you know, toughness, toughness. Um, you know, Keith, you need Keith, you're too skinny. We need to be 225 pounds. I um, don't you know, uh, we're going to run this high-low and this high-low, oh, like, and so I just, I hated him. And then literally, like, the worst thing that ever happened, like, for me, man, it came to the end. We walk in the gym, and we're at H-back. This is before the, practice, the new practice facility is up, and then where the, the volleyball team plays. All the goals are, that like, there's bubbles on the goal. Like, you know, it's where like, the rebound and drill, like, when you shoot, it came on you. So we had did that before, so the bubble wasn't crazy, but you look at the wall, and on the wall, there's helmets and shoulder pads lined up all the way across. And we looked, I was like, and there's names. Everybody, so there's like, Wifer, Miles, Simeon, Graves, Lee. I was like, look, we're up, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Motherfuckers, we're gonna, yeah, put it on. All. We're gonna cracks, we're gonna play a bit. Fucking stop, fucking you, all right, sorry. <laughs> You know, we love it. And so I was like, come on, man. I was like, stop basketball. This isn't basketball, man. What are we doing? And they old man, but we literally put those helmets, out of there. And he played a lot on five, We played three on three. We played one on one. We did rebound and drills. And we did conditioning, We did one more. And, and it was just like, I was just like, yelling. man, this is the complete answer. Is, uh, yeah. This is not the essence of way things were. And I just, I was having such a hard time, man, accepting it. And then I was getting hurt. And then I was, because even after my junior year was over, we moved to Georgia Tech. And I was like, all right, look, I'm done, I'm out. I'm moving. I'm gone. And then I find out that um, I needed surgery. And that's when I found out the micro fracture. And then it was four to six months. And then and I was like, well, okay, I got to come back. And then so we go to Canada. I hurt my knee again. We have to go back in and clean it up. And then again that September I had another like twins. And then it was like they went and cleaned it up the third time. And then I was like, and then so by that point, man, I just I was You're stuck to, with uh, his nice one more yeah. year. You had to go back Yeah, yeah you know me, I, at that point it's like, all right, I'm I'm a, a unathletic four year senior and you know, somehow I ended up salvaging it and I don't even know how when I look back and like how the hell did I have a sports team points a game? I, I don't even remember much from and then, you know, at the end of the year, you know, I had the old kidney thing and so, you know, and it didn't start my last game against Buttonell, like, you know, that that type of stuff, man, it really puts us like it's not even the losing aspect of it, but you know, to come that far and then your last game, you know, go no start. Because so, really I wasn't supposed to play it because I was in the hospital when I was sick and I was supposed to wait. We were supposed to be able to win that game. Well, I remember Coach Self looking down, he kind of gives me the look like. And like, get. all right, I mean, come on, let go. And, you know, so there's a lot that happened in the end that, you know, that, that was tough to swallow. But, man, I wouldn't be sitting here, you know, 17 years, um, you know, with, with everything that I've accomplished and done, like, without that time and without Coach and without that message. And then even being able to reach out to him Afterwards, yeah. um, you know, man, he, he allowed my brother to come there, Justin Wesley. I mean, he just, man, the guy, and then he even we even had a conversation where he said, "You know, kid, I didn't have it all figured out at that time either." And we just had some real kind of conversation. Oh, and man, you know, I I'll go to bat for the guy, you know, any day for we week now.
4: Yeah, I I kind of wanted to circle back to '04 a little bit, just the right. Georgia Tech game um, in St. Louis. And I I feel like you're a guy, obviously, that doesn't make a ton of excuses, but I feel like you kind of got shafted a couple times in the tournament um, while you were at KU. I know Syracuse, there was a tough call late. And then Georgia Tech um, was one Uh, of the charging calls of all time. So I guess just touch on that game because obviously it would have been three straight Final Fours for you guys. And did you guys kind of buy in there? I know know you – had a tough year, it sounds like. But did you guys kind of buy in? You know,
3: once the tournament came, were you like, "All right, let's go." Okay, yeah, and that's exactly you're exactly right. And so what what had happened was, you know, by the time we we got going and we, because man, we had some really bad losses. I mean, um, but by the time we got there and we found a, you know, a nice little rhythm, and we and it was just like, hey, like we're here. We know what this is. We know how to win. We know how this goes, and um. We really just, you know, man, there was a there was a good energy around it. I mean, I, I would say that was probably um the best time that the entire group had together. Like, you know, there there were no there were no issues, like there were no risks. there were no like there was no contention going on in the group. And so and once we man, we were knocking on the door, it was like, Oh man, you know, like it was weird. We just looked up and like boom, we're in the Elite A, like, damn, how did this happen? You know, and so yeah. Um, And that call, man, you know, I just – it's t- you know, the tough thing about it, like, you know, I remember I did kind of, like, you know, uh, throw my arm out a little bit, but the call was 90 feet from the basket. Like, we're totally in the backcourt on the other side. And so for the guy to make that call in overtime, you know, of that game, and when I'm not even gaining an advantage, like, I'm literally – on the other side of the floor, like that was tough. Like it wasn't like I was about to go in for a layup, or I was, and so I was just like, man, you know, and that hurt because I really do feel like the way that game was going, there was a legitimate chance, a legitimate chance there, and so, uh, and even the year before, you know, that 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 Finch foul, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I knew that, you know, obviously we had missed 15 free throws, and Jerry McNamara was playing out of his mind, um, but. You know, you just you just never know with those things, man. You just you know, it's kinda like if Wayne Shemian doesn't get hurt, you know, the dynamic of that team is well now you have Nick and Wayne, who knows what kind of rhythm Wayne is in, and now you have Jeff Ray is coming from the So I mean, you know, who those types of things, man, those are the tough tough things to uh, things that are out of your control. Like I can handle if I would have spin it, I would have missed the shot. Or if I would, like I would rather there be one second on the clock and me miss a point-blank layup than for the guy to just take me out of the game competing and not have a chance to impact me. So those are the toughest aspects, man. But that, that old 4 team, man, that team was – I don't think we could have won a national championship, but we definitely looked good enough to get to a can not
4: I can't stop so, well, thinking about Jeff Graves in a with a football helmet on and shoulder pads for some reason,
3: just him walking around saying crazy shit. And I want to say, listen, and at that point, it's all like coaching and coaching Jeff. Like, if me and coach were having our rounds, coach and Jeff were having their rounds too. And we really oh, we've said a bit Well, I'm more like the pad when people were up up and down kind of hit, hit And then that point Jeff started to be there for coaching. <laughs> <laughs> was, well, man, like, that was just the kind of energy that was going around at that And it was just very, it was tough, man. I, I looking back on it now. I could see there being a ton of pressure on Kosso. Kosso's, he's already yeah. a legend. Koso's Williams, you know, and it's just like, so there's just a lot of energy and a lot of different things going on. Yeah, and he he wasn't just
2: taking over like a. a it was it's a tough thing to take over Kansas. That's a huge Absolutely. job. The expectations, but Absolutely. you also take over a group of guys that had already been to two Final Fours, and it's like we're gonna just do what the hell we want because it's work. So why would we exactly.
3: play your yeah, so it is crazy to think of beat his promote no, on now. Yeah. One of the you no, know, we beat him. Yeah. You no, know, too. So it was kind of like, yeah. yo, man, like, look, this shit doesn't work. You know, <laughs> that was kind of yeah. cool, you know.
2: So, but uh, so obviously things started to work out right. Oh four went fine. You know, you guys made a run in the tournament. Oh five, expectations yeah. crazy to start the year. I think maybe well. I think you were preseason number one, and then you almost lost to like the EA Sports All Stars or something. But uh, and (laughs) (laughs) but still, that team was obviously you guys are seniors now, you're loaded, and you start out really good. And I always joke with I'm like that, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. I always joke with B Turn um, and AB, the other guy on the show, that Daryl Dora, if he doesn't bank that three at Texas Tech. I think that season maybe goes differently. Like, that was the turning point. And I've always wondered what what happened to that team, kind of your second half of your senior. Obviously, you were battling injuries and stuff like that. But what do you think?
3: Well, uh, no, big, mean, so, here's the crazy thing about it, man. So, like, at that point, I don't know if you remember, but Wayne gets hurt, right? Wayne hurt. like He has, like, ligaments torn in his thumb or something. Wayne was playing the incredible, but he gets hurt. And then so at that point, the offense that coach started to run was uh, was uh, the foundation for kind of what they did in 08. Like, you know, and, and that, that guard oriented, that motion, that, that pick and roll. So without Wayne, because we were feeding Wayne. Like, Wayne was the focus, right? So, and then when he got hurt, it was like, hey, all right, we're key. uh We're going to use your penetration, your aggressiveness, and we're going to use Aaron you know, we're going to use JR shooting, and we're going to spread this thing out. So, man, we found a really good rhythm and a really good pace with that. And so, man, I remember it. We go to Texas Tech, and you know, we're playing there, and I was just like, you know, we're going to win. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, all right, they can beat us. But we're in control, but they're keeping it close. And so, but, man, like you said, Daryl Dora, like, literally on the scouting report, man, the guy had made, like, yeah. they had, like, maybe two or three threes the whole season. Mm-hmm. And he, he hits that shot. And it was just like... And so I will say this, though. What was going on that year was like there was... it The, the vibes and the the group wasn't exactly cohesive, but we were winning, so it was keeping a lot of that energy at bay. So mm-hmm. a lot of stuff was going on. Uh, but, you know, the winning was keeping it at bay. And I think so. What we lost, I remember getting back Lawrence and we had a meeting, and so uh, and Coach Selfman, you know, he's ripping everybody, you know, he's kind of going down the line, and um, uh, you know, and he gets to me at one point, and he's like, uh, he's like, Lashford, he's like, nah, you, uh, you, like, he said something about you, all you want is the, the all you want is a damn camera to, to look at your shoes after halftime, and uh, <laughs> and I was like. I said no, I don't agree. That's not true, and he was like, "Damn, he always got something to say." You know? And then so at that moment, he was like, "Everybody in the gym right now, we're gonna practice." And thank thank your senior for <laughs> for, for 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 making you guys practice right now. So like everybody like pissed at me, I mean, give me article Y'all going in and practice, and so and so man, so that happened, and uh, and I want to say like man, we had another tough game uh, that. I cannot remember, like I said, I don't remember a lot from this scene, but what I do remember is um, that year, because I was hurt, I had been getting injections before again. and again. so I was getting. And then so, um, but, you know, it was uh, you know, tour and all and stuff like that. At that time, like that was, you know, what I was typical, you know, everybody used tour and all and uh, those things. And so, but whatever that we were playing at Missouri, and uh, we started the game really well. I rolled my ankle. I took my injection before the game. So the you, I've been taking it all season. So I took my injection before the game, and then I rolled my ankle, and it's hurting it. I go back in in the locker room, and they give me another one, and uh, it didn't didn't take. You know, I didn't finish playing. I didn't finish the game. But that night, I get back to Lawrence, like my back is killing me. You know, three o'clock in the morning, I called the trainer, and I remember Greg Hagen's. I don't know if you guys remember Greg is a football player. Uh, from Kansas City. Um, so I'm supposed to, at three o'clock in the morning, I'm supposed to go meet Bill Calgill at the training room. And literally, I walked out of the towers and I collapsed on the grass in front of the jail Towers. And Greg Haynes just happened to be driving uh, by. like, hey, Keith, hey, man, is that? Hey, Keith, man. And I was like, yeah, man, in my back. Right. So he helps me up, man, drives me over to the thing. And then so finally, man, so I'm in the hospital. And so uh, the doctor comes in, he says, well, Keith, he was like, your Kidney function is failing, but we don't know why, and so you know. And at that point, so it's like I'm away from the team, um, uh, and uh, I'm trying to which I'm trying to figure out what's going on. The, t- the energy around the team is not well. The um, uh, I think we lose again in the Big 12 tournament to like Oklahoma State, yeah. and, Oklahoma. and so. Nobody knows if like if I'm gonna play, if I'm not, and you know I'm in my feelings because you know I'm starting to feel like oh well, you know nobody cares and nobody can visit me and in the media all they're talking about is I like gastroentitis or something like that or like you know, he just needs a good bowel movement or something like, like <laughs> I'm serious man like that was really of, counter- and I was just like y'all pissed like I'm and so anyway we ended up finding out that you know, it was allergic reaction. Uh, to injection. And so, like, um. Uh, so anyway, I finally joined and get back to the team. And, you know, like I said, man, I was, I was just in my own space. And, you know, you know, it was, it was a little bit selfish looking back on it now, but I was just so angry and I was so bad. You know, I was mad about a lot of things. I was mad about Coach Williams leaving. I was mad about not being able to transfer. I was mad about the knee surgeries. I was mad about the injections. I was mad about, you know, I just, and and when it came down to it, like, you know, uh, and then I was mad, like li- literally no one came to see me, but, okay, they're playing, they're practicing, they're doing all these things. So I was like, all right. And um, so anyway, get to the NCAA tournament, and we're trying to figure out, you know, if I'm going to play or not. And we're looking at it like, all right, but now, I think the next game would have been like Wisconsin or something like that. So we're like, all right, when we were rest uh, and then play Wisconsin and uh, – and so anyway, like we're like, we'll play if we need you. We'll start with me. We'll learn Mike Lee. All right, okay. So still like, you know, no, I love Mike Lee. I still talk to Mike, me and like Mike Lee talk trash to this day, but I should have started. I'm mean, and so I'm in it and twenty one year old me can't really Yeah get out of my own way with, with these things. And so, you know, we started the game and I'm kinda of sitting there and by the time it was like, you know, all of these types of and I mean, there's all other kind of little, kind of little fires just around the chain, not just me. There's other little things going on, and so like the loss, my injury, the uh, I mean Wayne's injury, um, and just a lot of those things started coming to a head, and it it just came to a head and he erupted at a long time, man. And then so, and then by the time everybody was like, oh no, 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 like we don't want to lose, like, like yeah. it was just. It was too late, man. The, the The juju was gone. The juju was bad. The mojo was gone. The juju was bad. And it was just like, you know.
2: Crazy. I mean, at that point, it's crazy to think you guys had been the two Final Fours. You made the Elite Eight the year before. So, like, losing in the first round was just, like, probably not even something that you would even oh entertain being possible.
4: Especially, especially it's kind of interesting just sitting back, um, just thinking, obviously, that seat, it was – your whole class of senior year, I mean, you guys started off so well that year until obviously the Villanova. Yeah, exactly. But you guys start undefeated. Everyone's right. back. Jr. I felt like was he was a huge recruit, but he was gonna be he was a big NBA prospect at one point know. Exactly. So you guys
3: I at one point probably thought as a professional champions. Not nah, it, 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 and it could have been man, really could have, could have been, but I looking back on it and knowing what I know and like, it just was it was a house of cards and. At the end of the day, the one thing that really bothered me more so than anything, and I said was at the beginning of it, and it ended up coming to fruition. And so I, that's why I believe in like, you know, words have power and, you know, things manifest themselves. And, and then, you know, they would always ask me like, gee, like, why are you so defiant? Like, why, what's the problem? Why are, you, why are you tripping so much? And I was like, man, I said, because look, I said, coach is going to be successful. And Kansas is going to be all right. So, but, you know, everything that he accomplished, everything that's accomplished after us is going to be at our expense. And I don't want to be the guinea pigs of this experiment. I don't want that. And like, I don't want, oh, well, you know, we he got here and it was rough and they struggled, but he figured it out. And, and which kind of actually ended up happening because, you know, it's kind of like, you know, our, and the way I would look at it, and I hate, I don't, Using this analogy, you know, no disrespect to, well, anybody which has somebody pass, I think we all have. But a lot of times, you know, like, you know, in death, you know, like, you fertilize the ground for the, for the, the soil, for the trees and the grass is going to grow. And so it's kind of like we were that perverting new, you know, fertilizer. And so, like, and I just, I didn't want to be a, you know, I wanted to stay on the wave and the energy that we were on. Like, I didn't want to start over. You no, know, I I did not like that aspect. And when we started over, it was such a dramatic, it was a complete 180 for what we were doing. And I just, in the back of my mind, I just always felt like, it was like, man, this is. So that was the tough part, Mayor.
2: Um, I mean, that's I- crazy. So you kind of like saw the future almost in a way. So, I mean, you didn't love, I mean, you you liked Bill, but you clearly knew he was going to be, you seemed convinced he was pr- gonna be pretty good, right? So
3: you kind of Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, like, like once, once he got the guys, he, like I, I feel like that's me. Like once you get your guys, and once you get yeah. your feet under you, because I even remember, man, it used to be a big deal about. Uh, I remember, like, when some of the older guys would come back and they would talk about Coach Williams like, when he first started here. Like, Coach Williams' beginning was not sweet, right? Like he didn't kick in the door with thirty wins. He didn't kick in the door with elite eights and national champions. I mean, it, it didn't take him long. It was like it didn't take Coach Self long by the 08. You know, he was – but, man, like, I just – the beginning, like, I would be interested to hear the guys in started with Coach Williams. Like, I would be interested to hear their stories, like, you know, because they – you know, they were kind of sacrificed for him to, you know, take off and, and build KU the way he did. There's a lot of trial and error that he goes mm-hmm. in And not just – I didn't want us to be used in that way. And in the entire also made me even more angry at Coach Williams for a long time because I was just like, man, you know, we just kind of got served up you know, more um, in this awkward in between space. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not,
4: I know we haven't had anyone um, from early Roy days, but I know we've had Jeff Graves on and I know he struggled too um, yeah. once Bill got here. And I think Bill had uh, recruited him to Illinois too. So yeah. I, can, I just can't imagine. Um, that change, especially like play style, the way they coach. Like Bill's obviously hard nosed, um, yes, totally... can piss you off, get people fired up. But yeah, I I can't imagine that
3: just that change from Roy to Bill. Oh man, listen, I, it was just I distinctly, man, I can remember times it was like, like he blows the whistle one time when he looks at me, he's like, oh my god, oh my god, Keith, oh my god. I was like, what? He's like. That's literally the softest thing I've ever seen in my life. He, like, <laughs> he was just like, "Can't believe, it. like, how I have no idea how you guys got to funk." Like, this is these are the softest, like, one oh, so of the softest guys you've ever seen. And like, you know, I, like, you agree with that, right? You'd agree that these are the softest guys in in the country. How many?
4: How many times did he? How many times did he? How many times did he use the word pussy? Oh,
3: my God. Pussy. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I mean, I mean, just, hey man, the guy has an a incredible knack for finding whatever it is, whatever that word is, or whenever it had like space is that he knows how to get in there and he knows how to push it. And so, man, Self is perfect if you don't know anything else. And I, I really do believe that. if you don't know anything else, like, man, it's hard. And I would, and I would say if you guys ever have Remy Martin on here, like even transferring in from somewhere else and then adapting to coast, like that's it's hard. Like and so Malik Newman really struggled too. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like and, and it's it's one of those things that man, you can't really know anything else and get here and 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 have like that. Like, man, you have to be incredibly tough minded and you have to have a really good support system for people that understand. You know, the dynamic of how that works, but if not, man. You're left to figure it out with your own 20, 19, 20, 21 year old brand, It can be tough, man. Do you
2: do you think self's gotten a little uh in his own way, like softer? Obviously, he's still like an absolute, I mean, the best coach in the game by far, but like is he less demanding than he was for for you guys, you think? Or not demanding, but I don't know. It feels like he's changed.
3: No, nah, so you know what I I think that um, uh, coach um he's I think he's more selective in in those moments now, just from what I've seen. Now I, I haven't been around as consistently as a lot of guys, but the times that I've dropped in and I've seen practice or I've seen him address the team and different stuff like, he's he's very selective. But let's trust me, man. It's at the same level, the same level the the intensity, the the uh, the challenging, the um you know. The, the pushing of of the team, the mental aspect, like, it's it's still at the same level, but it's um it's more selective. It's not like, man, for us, it was around the clock. Like, I mean, it, you had it though. You know, you just were. And it, it was so crazy, man, because the dude was so cool, man. You go up in the office, <laughs> yeah. It was extremely cool. And it was like, it was a total, you know, man. It was a mind, you know, because he, like, you know, this guy, like, I like sitting down and talking to him, or you know. But then we go downstairs, and it's like,
2: man, I hate him. It. so. Funny. Yeah, it's like you. He's so charismatic, but the next yeah, like, cool. five minutes later, he's calling you soft, and like you're like, what?
3: <laughs> well, listen, I, I will say this about Coach When whenever you see, got like when when there's total buy in to what he does and what he's doing, and man, it is like you said, it, yeah. that's, it's what makes him the best. Like, cause I don't think there's a coach, uh that can do more with buy in than him. Like, man, yeah. he, was, he doesn't need top tens. He doesn't, well, you know, they're welcome, but I mean, but man, he, but well, when he gets guys to buy in and they're able to execute, you well, know, to the level that he, I don't, I don't see like this. You're always, you're always there. You always have a shot. And, and there's literally nobody that does that better And I, And I've, and I say that from, um, even it from watching it from afar, you know, so like that's, and that wasn't exactly my experience with him, you know, per se. Yeah.
4: yeah. Um, I wanted I wanted to talk about some positives, um, towards the end of your KU career and it's, I think it's the first game I ever remember, um, being Allen, I'm in one of the quarters up there, like second to last row. And it really, I feel like it really like made me be like, okay, this is like one of the best places in the world. Um, it's Georgia tech, okay. um, on new year's day, obviously you guys had lost to them the year before you hit the game winner you show a ton of emotion after um i guess just talk about getting them um getting getting them back and just playing inside of allen field house in general
3: yeah you know the cool thing about that man is that for the first time like my son has just gotten into basketball at just time 10 a couple years ago and so um uh, and i showed him that video for the first time and so uh and so he made a, you know he made a notebook Actually, just it right here on, the <laughs> and he made a notebook and it was like, you know, it says on the front of it says Kansas and Duke, and so like those were like the two schools that he you know wants to go to wherever. So anyway, I showed him that video, and um, uh, and man, he was, he was mesmerized. He was like, "Dad, is that that's young. He He's like, "Oh man," he was like, "Oh," he was like, "What what are these? What, what are they doing over here?" What? Are... And it was like. And you know, I seen it so many times before I'm pretty like numb to it, right? But watching how excited he was to see just literally on a on a U T D like it going back to that moment, man, and hearing the feel I was like that and being in that setting, man. Like it's just I I really, you know, it it gives me like man, it makes my stomach but, like I started to feel like those those nerves and and like it's like um I'm, I'm right back in there. And so on um, the thing about playing out of Fieldhouse, man is that it gives you like a fearlessness that on um, you can play the game with. And so uh and it, man, if you can get past once you get past the nerves or the butterflies of the game, like that crowd, man, when it's electric and it's ball like that, there's literally no fear, you know, in any aspect of, of the game. And so and the combination of like you said I don't know why it was so electric in there. Maybe it was they beat us the year before. Maybe it was the fact that it was New Year's. Maybe it was all the – that was just – it was it was a great time. And, and, and man, it, it, even more – like, the shot is, is dope, man. And, I, I'm, and it's, it's a great memory. But just that, that vibe, that energy, that, that walk into the field house knowing, and and, you know, uh, like, you know, oh, this is something. This, this is really – this is before the ball even goes up, like, and that's there's yeah
2: it is it is kind of funny to think about because that game i mean it's a big game georgia tech you guys played them last year but like it really meant it really didn't it wasn't like you won a big 12 title because of it. you did but it's still a game that everyone talks about to this day and it's just it's awesome
3: yes and and jack um for the team at the time we were we were together at the uh the summer before at the uh as counselors at the Nike camp and we were also counselors at the Jordan camp in uh Santa Barbara. And so we were talking, and, you know, he's kinda of giving it to me a little bit, but I'm like, all right, man, you talking, but you know y'all gotta come to the field house, you know, next season. And he's like, Yeah, like that we put at that game. So <laughs> oh, man, they, they came man. it was just uh so mad. I mean so many storylines. I mean that was like you said, from from my senior year, there are some highs. I mean at that that's definitely one of them. And even for me, like, the great thing about that game was that, like, you know, I have been through you know, the surgeries and I went through, you know, a lot of that tough time to like that. Like, I was probably at the – that was the best I would have played since, you know. That was the healthiest I felt. That was the the best I played since, you know, we lost to Georgia Tech. You know, it's kind of like a full circle kind of moment. Multi- like after all the injuries, the slow start to the season, and every day and like boom, we were playing really well, and it culminated in this with ass game with his big ass shot. And I am like, okay, me and I can kind of start to get some of the old key. Yeah. yeah,
4: I've always I've always wondered this about guys that kind of stick around for a while. Um, and you talked about the atmosphere at Mizzou earlier, but Alan Fieldhouse like takes it to a different level. So I didn't know, like. If you ever maybe thought you took Allen Fieldhouse for granted, or was it one of those things where every night it's just loud and you would love it and you can't wait because you played so many games in there?
3: Yeah, I never, man. It was, there was never a time, <clears> never <throat> a time where I walked in there was like, I let's get this old I'm <laughs> like, just not like, nah, man. It just, it was one of those things where like. Even if you're playing against UNC Asheville, or even if you're playing against, you know, like, man, you've got the you high to bring it, and you're going to. And so play good, play bad, or whatever, you know, early game, late game. Uh, man, it's just, I mean, it, you know what's crazy? It, here's a random game from the 03 team, man. We played Wyoming in the field house, man. I don't know if you got missing. If you ever have a chance, man, you go back. And look at that Wyoming game in the field. So, like you would just think Wyoming at Kansas, and oh it might have been December game or something like that, and like I mean, very insignificant. Like it doesn't. I mean, man, I when I talk about atmosphere and vibe and you know, like energy and like man, that game, they like it's one of those like just on a random night in December, man. It, it's just you know it, it could have been a. a NBA finals. It was, it was just like that. So there was never a time I played in there. There was never a time where I just I didn't like it or I, I didn't want to be there. Even when I was, you know, in in my tough times, like they just, it didn't, you know, like how how came. there's nothing nothing close to it. I feel yeah. Like. There's, there's literally no words, man. I mean, there's there's no words. And even guys who didn't have great careers or guys who did, like they all show us some respect. Or they all I'm give it up for the world. You know, and, and still to this day, like, people that I played against, that I come across, that they've been in there. Like, I mean, man, they always, they always give it up. Yeah.
7: Cause,
4: yeah. Because even as a fan, like, there'll be some, I guess, I've been in that building so many times. I grew up 10 miles from Lawrence. So I feel like there'll be games where I don't soak it up um, as much. And, Ryan, I don't know if you feel that same way, but there'll be nights – I go like I watch the intro videos and the pump up videos, and you just I guess tear up a little bit. I mean, yeah. so I've always I've always I'm
3: telling you this you can't, you can't and and also too I will say this too. I think a lot of times, like especially those first two years, man. Um, I think those teams, the O two and the O three team, like man, they just had a really special place in more hearts of the fans too. Man. And so, like, yeah. I want to say, man, in those two years, like. There were just moments where you could feel like the endearment coming through in in the fans. So like, they're, they always love KU and they are always cheerful. But man, when they really connect to a group, I mean, you can see that. You could tell. I think yeah. <clears throat> kind of the same for the the um the twenty two the twenty two team. I mean, I just think yeah. everybody's literally just fell in love with mm-hmm. that team. So like every time they played, I mean, you just feel because I was like when you watch their – Watching the footage of New Orleans and watching the guys embrace one another, you know, the, all the ex players that were there, or something like, just you just don't see it like that all the time. I just think everybody that team had a special connection that bridged a lot of gaps and just brought out a lot of real you know, strong up and everybody carries. So that, that's that's that makes it special too. You know. So
2: all right, as much as I hate to, we've got to start to wrap this up, but. I wanted to. Uh, this has been awesome, and uh, I have we ha- I have a few rapid fire questions I want to throw at you. I had a friend, I had a friend that wanted me to ask one of these, and then I'm just curious about a few. Um, you mentioned the shoes earlier. Would you have been devastated if Ku switched to Adidas while you were there?
3: Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, I can't express like it hurts. It hurts to watch Adidas on the feet. To this day man i just it still feels weird to me to go into the gym and watch them with adidas man so so yes like listen i don't i don't know maybe i'll you know this is what i would do uh, i'd have worn nikes and put tape over the night and there's no way Adidas didn't watch me at any point yeah um <laughs> yeah. yeah
4: i i feel like the sneaker thing was obviously always a huge keith langford thing besides i'm um, just being being a great player, but was that, were you always a sneakerhead? Um, and what, how did the halftime thing start when you changed shoes?
3: So I, w- I wasn't always a, a sneakerhead, but I was always like, I was just big or like, man, uh, not, not a sneakerhead, but I was like, your game shoes have to pop. And that was just the culture of being from like where I grew up. So like every time, you went to watch a certain high school team play. Like, I, I grew up watching Dunbar, like, Fort Worth, Dunbar High School's very, very famous high school team that be like, really athletes going out of there, man. And he would just go to the game. And part of going to the game was, like, I mean, what shoes were these guys, like Demetrius Shaw, Mike Byers, what shoes were these guys going to wear? What were they pulling out? What was going on? So, like, it just it, was, it became a cultural thing for where I was from. So, like, wearing your shoes, no matter what, when you see me, it's gonna be like, oh, what are those? Man, he makes those look sweet. Man, has him? Like, you no, know, that was I, I. I needed that energy. If the shoes didn't give me that energy, I couldn't wear. And um, and well The second question was what? What was it?
4: When did the halftime thing? They- oh, I heard
3: change change. Well, Look, I, I was um, uh, <clears throat> I, <laughs> my. So it's crazy, man. On my visit to Kansas, uh I really, really wanted some shoes that had, they had these Nike flight posits they were wearing. And they were really cool. And, uh, but, you know, I wear a size 13 and the only size they had left was 15. And I was like, you yeah, know, I gotta have those shoes like I need. And so, anyway, so she ends up buying her. She was like, look, I don't give a damn the size 15, but you're gonna wear these shoes every day <laughs> and not take them off. Like, I'm paying money for these shoes and they're too big. But you're gonna wear. So anyway, so my senior, I'm wearing these big ass size 15s because I, I got these from Kansas, man. Like these, and these were, <laughs> I was like, yo, these are sweet. I love them. So anyway, I'm, man, I'm playing great my senior year. Everything's going well. But one day after school, uh, before the game, on the game day, me and my friends, we go to the mall, and I saw like these uh, I bought like this other random pair of shoes. And they were like kind of cool or whatever. So I put them on and I wear them to the game. And uh, I wear them in the game, I'm sorry. And I'm playing terrible in the first half. And so, uh, half time, we're going into the locker room. And as we're walking through the door, as we're walking towards the door, a bit, I see my mom. She's standing right there at the door. She's pissed. And so, like, my mom, she always, um, in all my high school games, she always had a spiral notebook and the more pen. And so, she got her pen here She's got the spiral notebook right here. And I can see it's Come here. You know, like when your parents, when they whisper yell, like you really are in trouble, like, come on. Yeah. Put those damn shoes off right now and put <laughs> your other shoes back on. And I was like, well, I said, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Put the damn shoes Go away and then put the shoes on. I had like 20 something points in the second half. And yeah. I just started doing it from there. All the from the uh, world. Yeah. Up.
2: That was. That was an awesome just like thing for you to be known as. People ESPN always talked about it. Uh, so this is uh this is a really random question, but I joked that I wanted to bring it up. Did you frequent the Topeka Mall very often or do you remember going to the Topeka Mall? Uh, yes. Listen, my girlfriend at the time in college was pumped. For me. So 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 the reason I bring it up is I remember so I'm gonna this sounds weird, but I was like seven or eight at the time and I saw you at the Topeka Mall and I was like, you know, at that point when you're seven, eight years old, you guys were like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like <laughs> celebrities does. And I literally remember I like followed you, not really followed you, but like I saw you go in the Locker, and I was like, yeah. I gotta go in the Locker, and I remember just watching you buy shoes or like look at shoes and I think weird. back on that. Like, like such a weird thing, but hilarious to hear you talking about buying shoes.
3: It's, that's, I'm, I love stories like that, man, but they just, is the I mean, man, it puts me right back into those moments where I just can't express like, man, that's, that's funny. It's, it's incredible that you remember that. And it's show. Like I can feel myself and see myself walking through that to people ball. It's <laughs> like, a yeah. sad place to be now. <laughs> I don't. It'd be a regular man. I was a regular at people. So oh, that's I, awesome. So.
4: I um. So I have a question. It's maybe the most important question of the pod. Um, do you your top? He led. Ryan led the show off your top eight score in Kansas history. Do uh, you deserve to have your jersey retired in Allen Fieldhouse?
3: Hmm. So so it, that's interesting, man. So um. So when I left, I was six, right? <clears throat> and so um. Uh, I was like, look, I don't mind. If guys pass me, as long as I don't get pushed out in top ten. Like, okay. Now once whoever that guy is that pushes me out to like eleven, I'm gonna be like,
7: oh, don't,
3: you know, that last shot, I may not want it to go in. <laughs> do but anyway. But as far as the all of, I mean, as far as the jersey thing goes, uh, it's you know, it's interesting because when I look back on my career, like I always felt like, hey man, I'm one of the, you know, one of the best, and you know, I did this and then yeah, and I did that and so. Well, I was on the all final fourteen and all these things. But I was like, man, like sometimes when I look back, like I'm I'm not trying to be uh I don't want to say this in a negative way, but I really wasn't as good as what I thought I was. You know what I'm saying? Like, but definitely a good player, right? Like good player, man, high level player, but like it's not a bona fide, like hands down type thing. Like now, if if um now, if they move, if Koso at some point decided to move the goalpost goal post a little bit and say, all right, guys who made the all-final four team or guys who were three-time all Big 12, because um, I was three-time second team, I think. Three-time second team. Never was on the first. And um, so the goalposts would have to be moved a little bit. So while I do, <clears throat> you know, acknowledge that I was a really good player, like I do understand that. I did not reach the actual requirements to do so. So I kind of fall in a, in a weird space, so will I appreciate it? And man, would I be extremely excited and serfite and have all of my family in the stands and cry, and do all those things? Absolutely, I would love it. I would love to be married, done sometimes. But if I don't, I'm not one of those guys that like was gonna campaign for, it because I do understand that I don't want uh, somebody that Really earned and got there, you know, based on their accomplishments. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to, do you know, I want, I to I say, I don't want to, I hate to say, watered down, but that's the only term that that can get to, that, that can come to mind. The only, the only, my only gripe right at the end of the day is that like it's weird that, like, let's say a guy, his total career may not be, like, career numbers may not be what mine's were, but the guy had a season to where he. Not, actual requirement and so that puts his jersey in the rafters versus me. That's, that's really my only thing so like body of work wise you know I do think I have a case. For, um but if there was a guy you know maybe he didn't do anything as a freshman and a sophomore but as a junior he knocked it out of the park two or three awards so I mean it's the way the game goes but uh, man I would love it but if it doesn't happen I understand.
2: That was a very very fair Response I uh, it was mature of you because I think you should be up there. I know a lot of fans think you should be up there, and I get it. Um, you kind of said it like you don't want to water it down. And in any player that's close, like you, you could
3: make some sort of exactly, yeah, you know, that's what i saying. Because be, yeah. exactly. so if he you let me in, then there's who else do you have to let in? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, no, like, I like said, Russell
2: Robinson is probably like, well, hey, I was point guard for a national title team, like, why am I? Yeah, I know, so exactly.
3: and then Russ would. You no, know, I mean he had, you know, a, a certain a certain case, you know what I mean? But like I said, the only thing if, if they say, All right, all final fourteen, you meant like you're in there, okay, all right, I raise my hand mm-hmm. while I'll, I'll go. But other than that, man, like I just as much as, because I wanna say when I first got the Kansas, it was either National Player of the Year or boy, yeah. or Final First Team yeah. America same year or yeah, M O yeah. Yeah, M O P or National Player of the Year. That was it. And then, so it has it, changed a lot in different times. So, all right. I mean, you know, if it's 10 years from now anymore, you know, I'll say, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I just,
2: it's like a, it's like I said, I feel like you and Miles and Simeon, like you guys have that. You're part of such a bigger part of the program because of the shift from Roy totally to agree. self. And it's like, I feel like you just, you all belong up there. So,
3: no, this Aaron Miles, absolutely belong. Aaron Miles. Yeah all time assist leader yep. in Kansas history is an all time big twelve assist leader. I mean, how does that guy on that? You know, I really yeah. and he, for what I know about here, man, I'm telling you man, the most selfless guy, man. Like, I mean, just that I that I've never played and he, you know, one of the most selfless people I there in all like man, he, he deserves it more because he was uh you know, man, he, he could have gave he sacrificed a lot for himself and his personal gang. You know, and to, to for the betterment of the team.
2: what about this? Uh, is Aaron Miles going to be the next head coach of Kansas
3: in 15 years, 10 years? Uh listen, <laughs> uh, hey man, great, hey, this great question. And so, I'll let you in on something, you know, uh, Aaron. Uh, I, I have a very good inkling that whenever Coach Self decides that he's done, I I have a very good inkling that Aaron Miles would be the first phone call that's made wherever he is. And Aaron does get that phone call. I have a very good inkling that <laughs> I know who all would be on his staff. So. Okay. You, man. Mm-hmm. Very interesting, full circle moment if they are there to the that. So that would be incredible. Yeah. I don't know how long down the line that is, but just in case, man, you know, We'll be able to look back on this recorder and yeah. <laughs> That'll be awesome. Saw the future again.
4: Um yeah. I just as we wrap it up, I just I know the other the other guy that's on our pod, um, he wasn't able to make it on, but he texted us before and was like, Tell Keith thanks for the memories and it just got me thinking, like, Keith Lankford is the reason I fell in love with Kansas and like Kansas basketball. And I even I tweeted today, Keith's my favorite Jayhawk of all time. So it's like it's <clears throat> It's awesome I'm interviewing you, um, and obviously first two years were great. Um, we made a couple of Final Fours, top yeah. 10 on the scoring list. So I just – I don't know if – I'm sure some players sit there and wonder how much they're loved sometimes, but people our age were just obviously obsessed with you. The shoes, oh two oh three, had the best uniforms ever, by the way. We oh. didn't talk about that, but, yeah, I, I truly – just the shoes and obviously well, watching lefties is fun playing too. Watching lefties play is fun too. So yeah,
3: this yeah. Um, man, I I, I want to say, man, how much I I really do appreciate that, man. And here's here's the thing, like, and I know we're wrapping it up, but like, man, the one thing I appreciate the most about Kansas, City, like, you know, I was I was so close to not having any of it. You know what I mean? Like I told the story earlier about all the guys that had to say no, in order for me to be here. All the dominoes that had to drop, man. So like, for my life, man, what was able to happen, and all the people that I was able to impact and the things that, I mean, even the first two years, the last two years, man, this this time at this place, man, has just, it changed my life, my family's life. And I mean, man, I am just forever grateful to all the people that make Kansas what it is, the fans, the media, the staff, everybody around me, man. I mean, I just, it it I don't have enough words to speak on my appreciation. You know, I, I don't have, I don't have enough time and I just, I will never, you know, have a bad thing to say. Uh, I'll always be honest, but I'll never have a bad thing to say about, well, uh, you know, the way this has changed my life, man. And so, uh, I'm forever grateful, man. Thank you for, for what you said, man. Topeka, the, 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 the mall story. <laughs> you get you incredible. Know, and these, these little things, man, is what I appreciate so much. And I man, I just, I don't regret anything I uh man, I just you know I, I can't say enough, bro, I mean this is and I you know apologize for it taking so long, but the fact that I am doing this, and the fact that what I'm saying is now I mean like I just I love this fucking school thing uh my my wife she doesn't understand it, she was like, why in the hell you always be excited you being on this turnpike, but <laughs> She does not realize that she does not understand. I mean, my four year old daughter, man, she just, you know, she knows how to wave the week now. I mean, you know, my son has a notebook, you know, about, and it's just, and it's all because of those dominoes fell and I was able to be in this place, man. And so I just, I love this, I love being able to do this, man. Thank you guys. It's, it's yeah. Great. Thank you. It's
2: awesome. That's a great way to wrap it up. We, we appreciate it. Um... You gave us a, a lot of a lot of a lot of your time tonight. So uh, this was super fun and obviously a legend. And uh maybe we'll do it again
3: sometime. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I appreciate you guys, man. Thanks, bro. Really seriously. Yeah.
1: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network.
7: The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing, but you know better.